there's a third coronavirus vaccine headed for approval. A hot mic moment for a Hollywood director is going viral, and it's very bad. And Melissa Joan Hart is here to talk about all the new Lifetime holiday movies we can binge watch over the coming weeks. The date, November 23rd, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Safford. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Casey, I have a theory that you are using Inception or something to push me into watching Real Housewives of Salt Lake City because at every turn, (laughs) someone brings something up about these women who I have no idea who they are. Um, Every night before I go to bed, I send messages to you (laughs) via my brain. You're just ESP or yes. <laughs> sending it to me. Well, I, you know, I'm really happy you sent this one message to me this weekend because like you and everyone else, I think, is obsessed with this woman named Heather Gay. Is this her name? Heather Gay? Yes. She is a ally in ways that I think we should all be considering uh, modeling behind. Uh, did you hear that she like people think she's trans? Have you heard this before? Oh, no, I haven't. So there's like some people on the Internet that think she's trans and someone wrote on her Instagram asking her about her transition, quote unquote transition. And she had the most beautiful response. She wrote back to this person and said, I'm happy to be an advocate for the transgender community. If it helps, I'm not transgender, but I don't consider it an insult to be called trans either. She goes on to say we should be loving the LGBTQ community. And Casey, that's how you respond to these things. That's a wonderful response. You know, as someone who wants you to watch this show desperately, Heather is my favorite character. I also (laughs) love when I like call them characters, but they're like real people. But anyways, she's my favorite woman and character on the show (laughs) Um, because she does bring it up in the first episode of just like, you know, being connected to the Mormon community. And there is a lot of homophobia in that community, but she says she does not abide by that. So it's really nice for her to be as vocal as she's being. Not nice. That's, again, bare minimum as a queer person. But when you you think about the larger Housewives context, you know, I'm like an OG watcher of like Atlanta. Atlanta has some very openly homophobic things that they do. So does OC. And that kind of made me steer away from the franchises because I was like, "Uh, all the subtle homophobia I'm not into that much anymore, even though I live for these women. But to see this new franchise just coming out strong, being like, we're Mormons. Some of us are Mormons and we are going to be an advocate. Amazing. That's okay. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I want people to watch the show. <laughs> I'm being a big old pusher is because you're right. We've got these old school Atlanta and OC. And I feel like, you know, rewatching some of those that I hadn't seen before. It's really tough to watch like as a queer person. But this new show is, it, it, you know, there's a gay son who's on it a lot. There's Heather who's being an advocate. It like is refreshing to see a new housewife community that uh, isn't as homophobic and transphobic. I'm going to speculate something here, and I know we have other things we've talked about today, but Mr. Andy Cohen, I think, is making really productive, good decisions for the world now that he has a child in the world. So we're seeing some good programming, because he's like, wait I a like minute, that theory. I, I have a kid, I gotta take, and this kid lives in the West Village. He's a, kid, we don't know what their identity <laughs> is, but like, lives in a gay-ass part of town, so, you know, he's really making sure he lives in a good world. So we love okay. to see it. Thank you, Andy Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, Zach, it is time for today's top stories. What have you got for us? All right, so we've got a third vaccine that's looking promising in the fight against COVID-19. Here's CNN with the latest. Breaking news overnight. British pharmaceutical giant AstraZeneca says its vaccine trials have shown promising results. 
Let's get right to CNN's Anna Stewart in London with breaking details. Now, Anna, uh, in the trials, this vaccine was administered in two different ways, and in one of the methods, it was shown to have 90% efficacy. And that is the key number that AstraZeneca wants you to hear. That was the great news. The overall efficacy, given they tried out different doses, was 70%, and that seemed very disappointing. But those participants that were given half a dose of the vaccine, and then four weeks later, a full dose, showed 90% efficacy. This vaccine, like the Pfizer and Moderna ones, will be submitted to regulators for approval so people can start getting doses. And people will need it. According to the TSA, there are an estimated 50 million people set to travel in the U.S. for Thanksgiving, despite all the warnings to stay home. And Michigan and Pennsylvania are looking to certify their election results today after mounting pressure from the Trump campaign to reject them. Remember, Trump had a few lawsuits going in Pennsylvania, and here's where they stand now, according to CBS News. New tonight, a federal judge says he won't stop Pennsylvania from certifying its election results. District Judge Matthew Brandt dismissed the suit brought by the Trump campaign. The campaign argued Pennsylvania counties violated the Constitution with different approaches for fixing flawed mail-in ballots. The ruling appears to dash the president's hope that Pennsylvania's certification of the election will be delayed. Trump's campaign filed a notice of appeal on Sunday for that case, but Judge Matthew W. Braun's order said that Trump's lawyers stitched together this case like Frankenstein's monster and should have come, quote, armed with compelling legal arguments and factual proof of rampant corruption. You know what, Zach, I'm just going to, like, ignore this thing that we just talked about because it's the same every day. (laughs) Exact same. I mean, for everyone counting, there are over... 30 lawsuits across six swing states that have been attempts to throw out this election. None of them are working. None of them have found a single instance of fraud. And just this weekend, more Republicans are coming forward like Chris Christie, and he is calling this a national embarrassment. It is. But do you know what is working? Hopefully some vaccines. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm just thinking about when we had Dan Vergano on last week and we were talking about how, you know, Two is better than one. I, I, he's not sitting here with us now, but I think three might be better than two. Three is great. I love <laughs> that we have options. I made that joke about getting like a bubblegum flavored vaccine, and I think it's yeah. going to happen now. Like capitalism <laughs> is going to ensure that we have like some delicious treats with these vaccines. So I'm into it. I'm feeling hopeful about that. But again, 50 million people have flights. Have you seen the photos on Twitter of airports? No. Oh, are they crazy? Don't look them up unless you want to have like an anxiety attack. It's shocking how many people are in the airports at once, like even wearing masks. I think I I saw an infographic and I don't know where it was from, but even if you wear masks, everyone's wearing masks, but you are inside somewhere for extended time, like hours, there's still risk of you getting COVID. That sounds like a literal nightmare, a literal nightmare. We warned you all that the 747 MAX was about to take off again as a way to wink, wink, don't get on a plane, but yet you still show up. This is insane. This is insane. Oh, good luck oh, wait, to everyone. Wait, 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 my, mom, my mom sent a text saying to my family, to my sister, my dad and I, and was like, don't, don't get on the new plane, okay? And my dad was like, oh, darn, in the middle of a pandemic, I forgot to tell you I surprised you with a trip around the world. And it was just <laughs> the most sarcastic dad conversation I've had in a we while. We love dads. <laughs> yes, well, listen to Casey's dad sarcasm there and don't get on the plane. All right, well, Casey, what happened over the weekend when it comes to pop culture and entertainment? So this far into 2020, you'd think we all would know if you're on a Zoom call, make sure your mic is off before you let loose with the sarcastic commentary. Well, one unnamed Hollywood director has learned this the hard way. 
Euphoria star Lucas Gage has posted what just may be the most cringeworthy clip of the year on Twitter. It's from a remote casting call, and you can see Lucas in his apartment and hear the voice of the director as the meeting starts. You honestly just have to hear it for yourself. These poor people live in these tiny apartments. Like, I'm looking at his, you know, background, and he's got his TV and, and you know. Yeah, mute it. I know it's a shitty apartment. That's why give me this job so I can get a better one. All right. Um, <laughs> ready? Oh my God. I'm so, so sorry. No, it's Lucas. totally, li listen, I'm living I'm in a, so sorry. I'm living in a four by four box. It's fine. Just give me the job and we'll be no, fine. I, I'm more <laughs> Lucas posted the video along with a caption quote, PSA, if you're a shit-talking director, make sure to mute your shit on Zoom meetings. The clip's gotten a huge reaction from other celebrities, including Joe Jonas and Lucy Hale. And then Emmy Rosam even chimed in saying she had a feeling she knew which director it was, writing, quote, If it's who I'm thinking, he asked me to, quote, audition for him once, but not to read a scene. He said he knew I could act, just to come into his office in a bikini and do a twirl. I... Wow. So many layers. I've seen the clip. I've watched it a few times. And it's, I mean, gut-wrenching to watch this. And, like, Lucas handles it so well. So, so, so well. But to have this additional with Emmy, like, saying that this person maybe asked her to be in a bikini, this is just gross. Gross, 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 gross. But before we move on to our next topic, uh, we have to tell people listening who have not seen this clip that when the director is making fun of this man's apartment, it should be noted this is not a shitty apartment. This is not just a four by four room. It has beautiful crowd molding. There's a beautiful, very expensive TV. He is living somewhere very nice. So I don't know what levels of capitalism these people are operating on, but that was not a shitty apartment. No. I know. I was just like, who? I, I, I'm, it's one of the things that really intrigues me is that at what point in your power, fame, or rise to more money does your brain become distorted like this? You know, I'm, it will endlessly fascinate me. <laughs> and I did enjoy the fact that a lot of actors, and deservingly so, I am not an actor. I do not know this world. But these people are famous, and, you know, we experience them in one way. But this seemed to be something that a lot of famous people were able to jump onto and kind of speak to each other about this experience of being, like, famous people. But in these these uh, casting rooms, you are treated really terribly by people who actually have more power, just not as much visibility in public. So it kind of gave us insight to how Hollywood operates in this kind of really messed up vacuum. All right, so moving on, there's a clip of Hassan Minhaj going mega viral right now. It's from a year-old Vanity Fair interview, but someone shared it on Twitter over the weekend, and it blew up. When referring to your good looks, this man, Dax Shepard, called you a 9 out of 10. Does it bother you that he didn't call you a 10? No. In it, Minhaj is hooked up to a lie detector, then asked what he would rate Shepard. You have to hear the answer for yourself. I would give Dax, I have to give a number, 6.57. Harsh. Wow. So do you think you're better looking than Dax? Do I think? Yes, I'm looking at Dax, yes. Yes, but I, I will not get the same opportunities that Dax does. Oh, it was wild watching this. It was the first time I had seen it, but I really liked how he brought up that there's no middle ground for Asian men in Hollywood. You got to be like Daniel Day Kim. Have you seen that photo where he, he flexed his pecs like this and he can hold the pencil? You got to be Daniel Day Kim ripped. 
Right. Like you said, it's like you're either hot or you're the IT guy. You know, it made me also think about like Kumail Nanjiani, who, you know, recently got all that body because he's a Marvel superhero, but he only was like dorky, not sex interest, all that stuff, and then gets body and now everyone wants to like thirst over him. And it's kind of like, how does he only exist in two spaces? Super, super, super hot or IT laughing stock? And that's what uh, Hassan is kind of pointing to is that Asian men and media are only two things, your nerd or your thirst trap. Yes, exactly. But Hassan also had this point about white men having this whole middle ground. You know how there's a whole class of white dudes of just like schlubby dudes who went to high school with me, but now made it in showbiz? There's no like that. You gotta have like the V taper in your abs if you're gonna be Asian. And you could see that Hassan doesn't want to give Dax a rating based on his looks. That's not fair. That's not nice. That's not a fair. I mean, no one wants to do that. That's not really a nice thing. But you can see that there is a point to it, that there is this middle ground for all these white men. As a black man in media, there is this feeling of being a person of color in which like you as a man or you as a person operating in this space. And I think women also experience this too. It's just mostly like white cis straight men do not experience this, but we have to be like the best of the best to even be considered for something, whether it's the desire uh, for desire or for a job or whatever. And it just is a lot of pressure to put on someone. And the fact that like Dax is getting more bookings than Hassan, who everyone Remember that when he did this interview and t- then it went viral again this weekend, his show Patriot Act was canceled. So, like, he's not wrong. Like, and the show was beloved. So there's something to be said there. There's a higher standard he's being held to, and it's rough. And he's hot. He is so hot. He, in person, is smoking. He was on AM to DM, our, our Twitter show, and, like, I had to hide backstage from him because I wanted to to do things. All. all right, when we come back, we've got the one and only Melissa Joan Hart. Stay right there. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Our vast network has the NFL's best talent bringing you right into the action each week. There's always room to add more football into your podcast rotation, and our vast group of shows will surely keep you up to date with everything you need to know surrounding the National Football League. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking It, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I, I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? 
But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something out that you want to do. No, Nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in. Welcome back. Think it's too early to be getting into the holiday spirit? Well, you're wrong. It's already prime Christmas movie season. And honestly, this year, we need the escape they provide more than ever. We're joined by the queen of the Lifetime Holiday movie herself, Melissa Joan Hart, who has three coming out this year. Good afternoon, Melissa. Hi there. It's so good to have you. Uh, and happy early Christmas. You know, it's just a few weeks, a few weeks away. <laughs> it's always getting uh, further and further. Like we start the holiday season, like further and further in the middle of the year. Like this year, I think because of coronavirus, everybody's like, let's just get to Christmas already. <laughs> 100%. Let's get some cheer out there. So, I mean, you're helping us with that. So thank you for that. All right. So the three movies, Dear Christmas, Once Upon a Main Street, and Felice Navidad, which you also directed, were all filmed in the spring and summer while the world was dealing with COVID. So how did this change your job as an actor and director? Yeah, it was really interesting. You know, last year, um, I had two movies we were going to make with Lifetime. And uh, then Mario uh, Lopez cornered me in a dressing room and was like, listen, you got to direct my movie. And I was like, all right. And he's like, and I want your mom to produce it. So my my mom and my company, Heartbreak Films, um, we, do, we produced all three of those movies. We did Sabrina and we did Melissa and Joey and a ton of uh, TV movies. So yeah, so we were ready to go. It was March. I had begged Lifetime, please let me do one of these when there's actually snow on the mountain. We were up in Lake Tahoe and I had location scouted and we were casting and we were ready to shoot a week later and the shutdown happened. So then we were just like waiting, waiting, waiting. This huge snowstorm came in April. We thought maybe we could still, you know, and um, June, early June, we were able to get started. We were one of the first productions in the U.S. to be up and running and we were able to make the movie. But this time we had to fight against trees and flowers blooming and no snow on the mountain and that kind of thing. So um, a little bit of fake snow in that movie. And we have these great performances in that movie where um, this was a little bit of a challenge with Corona. I mean, obviously just getting back into production, being one of the first ones there with all eyes on us, you know, checking to see if we do this right, can the industry open? If we do it wrong, we're shut down for a long time. So, um, you know, we took it very seriously. We did hand washing every half hour. We did testing every week, which eventually became every th- uh, three times a week um, by, the, by the second movie we did. So um, there was definitely a lot of protocol and, and sanitizing of equipment and props handing back and forth and actors learning to do their own sound. Um, you know, a lot of protection, a lot of pro- protocols kind of that we, we, we did a lot of, we were very diligent about our, our cleanliness, let's just say. Well, you know, a lot of what you just described, you know, it sounds incredibly like a lot of work to be thinking through because of the COVID part of this. And, you know, while you were doing this, you're thinking of like this pandemic is happening right now. But in your wildest dreams, did you think we'd be releasing these films and still have to be dealing with all this mess? Uh, not really. I mean, everybody was talking about the fall scare and the flu and this and that. But I think, to be honest, I thought we were going to get a better handle on it, right? I feel like... I thought we were going to figure it out. I thought we were going to have more science behind it. And I mean, it is good news now that the vaccine's on its way because, you know, it was starting to feel like maybe a month ago, like probably going to have to be another year or two of this. But now it's like, I like the saying about if we can make it through the holidays without being around too much family, maybe we'll have our family there next year. You know, like just saving a life by giving up this holiday. 
I mean, we've given up a lot this year. People have given up graduations, weddings. Um, I mean, aside from losing family members, of course, you know, all of the the people that haven't lost anyone are still, you know, feeling the loss of, of jobs, of income and all this. And now we have to give up our holidays too. So it's tough. It's a tough place to be, man. It's um, nothing we have to deal with. Right. Yeah. And, you know, as we mentioned, you have such a longstanding relationship with Lifetime. What does it mean to be able to still make holiday movies happen for people this year? That's the thing, right? I mean, look what we were all doing when we were in uh, shelter in place orders, right? We were all binging everything we could get our hands on, whether it was old shows, new shows, comfort shows. Uh, I had more people reach out to me and say, I'm watching Sabrina, I'm watching Clarissa, because these are the things that gave them, or a lot of people got to Melissa and Joey for the first time, one of my shows. And everybody was really, you know, taking this time. I mean, what else were we going to do besides baking and (laughs) housework, painting, organizing closets? Like you can only do that for so long, four months of full on lockdown is like a long time. So of course you're watching TV and binging stuff. I was so worried about content running out. Like, where are we going to get the con? You can't produce anything new, but luckily there, I mean, there is still a lot coming out right now. Like I'm so thankful. I've been watching Ted Lasso and Queens Gambit and, um, and I want to go watch servant. I've never seen that one. And I want to go back and watch things like West wing that I never saw lost. I never caught up on, you know, you know, we always look at Christmas as being a time of hope and a time of, um, refreshing and family and peace and joy and all these words that we associate. But in a lot of reality, people find the holidays to be really difficult. Where are we going to find the money to give the kids the Christmas that they want? Or how am I going to travel to go see that family? Or how am I going to put the food on the table this year? Or I might've lost someone this year. It's my first Christmas without them. You know, so there's a lot of that loss that people feel during the holidays that isn't really depicted in these movies for a reason. And these movies are there to give people, I think, when they're wrapping their presents or they're making cookies or they're just snuggled up on the couch with hot cocoa, they're there to um, just make them feel good. You know how these movies are going to turn out. You know they're going to fall in love. You know they're going to have the happy ending. You know she's going to get the job or whatever, right? It's, it's always a happy ending. And that's for a reason because people already are trying to get through this time with some hope and some joy in their heart. And that's what they've been promised in this season. And yet it's kind of hard to find sometimes, and especially a year like this when we've lost so many people across the world. And when we've, people are struggling to put food on the table and, you know, they don't know where their next paycheck's coming from. Like to be able to have these movies can be helpful just to have something that's, that's fun and light. Yeah, yeah. And what this reminds me of is that I feel like this holiday season, I was afraid there wasn't going to be enough content, but there is content coming out. Like, you are the queen of Christmas this season with so many films, but we're also seeing other types of representation coming out. So one that comes to mind is, like, the LGBTQ storyline in the Christmas setup, which is a Lifetime film. You know, you were speaking very passionately about the importance of a Christmas movie. So what's it like to see them expanding and, like, who gets to see themselves in that happiness right now? I mean, finally, right? Come on. Like, it's about time. I mean, the whole controversy last year over the one, I think it was a commercial that was on, it was just too much. And I feel like, you know, everyone should be represented. Everyone should feel like Feliz Navidad, as far as I can tell, is like one of the first ones about a Mexican-American family on television that I can really think of. But I also know that, like, this is the first time these movies are dedicated to these family stories and these families' traditions, And so, you know, I know in uh, Feliz Navidad, we have them making tamales and like, that's something that's a traditional Christmas Eve event. Yeah. And everybody should be represented in these movies always because everybody celebrates these holidays and everyone celebrates them a little different. And we all want to, you know, whenever I'm on these interviews, people are always asking me about traditions. What are your traditions? Right. And it's like, everyone has different ones. So let's hear about every single one. Amen. Amen. 
I mean, you were talking about before about during this, like, you know, quarantine pandemic, people watching things that like bring them joy from the past, you know. And so there was a lot of talk of a Clarissa Explains It All reboot. Is that something we could still see happening? You know, it's constantly being talked about. And it was seriously about <laughs> a few years ago. But Nickelodeon is, uh, I believe Nickelodeon controls it now. And they have, uh, it's kind of in their court. And the, they've changed hands over there. The executives have changed a few times. And it's kind of fallen through the cracks. And not really sure where it is right now or what's going on with it. I mean, we've definitely talked about it. We've definitely tried. But I don't think it's in the future right now. So I, I have to say, when I watched it growing up, I thought, you know, you were the coolest teen ever. Have your kids seen it? And do they also think that they have the coolest mom ever? <laughs> Come on. Who thinks they have the coolest mom ever? <laughs> Not yet. They'll appreciate it later. But um, I haven't watched it. I've shown them a few times and they're just not interested. And it's I, I don't know if it's weird for them. I, I am going to show them Holiday in Handcuffs probably tonight. Oh, wow. Um, Oh, amazing. I just moved. And one of my neighbors is the woman, Vanessa Evigan, who played my sister in in handcuffs. And I'm like, we got to get our families together. We're going to watch that movie. (laughs) Well, your dog wants to watch it with you too. No, but I, uh, that is something I'm going to show them. And I think that's probably one of the, I mean, they should like everything I do, right? They should. Yes, exactly. I mean, not everybody does, but I think they might find it weird to watch me and of course the word flex comes out a lot these days like mom you're just flexing (laughs) flexing with your clarissa and your sabrina and your holiday in handcuffs and your flexing, mom. you should tell them you should tell them and say that i gave you permission you could be like well mom's an icon and that's what happens when your mom's an icon (laughs) yeah you tell them that if i say that there's gonna be like nice flex mom nice flex oh my god (laughs) all right dear christmas premieres this friday november 27th Thank you so much for joining us today, Melissa. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. All right, one more thing that's been brewing on the internet. You might have seen TikToker Toaster Paints creating some mesmerizing paint swirls and colors. Here's him walking through how to make key lime green. This is how I make key lime green paint. Start with the white base. Add four ounces of yellow, two and a half ounces of green, and I like to use lime pigment powder. The account has 1.4 million followers and is run by college student Tony Pelosino, who worked for Sherwin-Williams. We say worked because due to the popularity of Pelosino's TikTok, the company fired him for making these videos during work hours. And people on the internet are pissed. Casey Neistat fired off back-to-back tweets saying, quote, if someone can make viral videos about paint, he should be celebrated and given a senior marketing role. Instead, Sherwin-Williams fires the guy. And who's Sherwin-Williams' biggest competitor? Hey, Benjamin Moore, you got a golden opportunity here. You can read more about the saga in Tanya Chen's piece on BuzzFeed News. Zach, I am so upset by this. I am so upset that he was fired. I'm taking it personally. It just seems like such a dumb move all around, like a a horrible PR situation for them, to be honest. On every level. And from my understanding, he reached out internally to try to get buy-in from Sherwin-Williams. And let's just talk about the fact that we are here at BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed is famous for creating viral moments and viral accounts on social media. And the fact that Sherwin-Williams, without any paid media, anything, has a TikTok account with 1.4 million. BuzzFeed doesn't even have a TikTok account that powerful. And you guys fire the person and release the IP? You're dumb. Dumb. You deserve to lose money and Benjamin Moore and whoever else should come running to give some cash. Okay, so you know how friend groups do those PowerPoint presentations where they talk about something they're passionate about? Mm -hmm. I really feel like I could do one on this now. 
because there's really? so many points to talk about. No, and yours was like a really big one, like the social media essence of it. But what you brought up is so important. He realized the popularity he was getting and realized how good it could be for Sherwin-Williams. And yeah, he reached out and was like, here's a marketing opportunity. And no one ever got back to about it until someone did and was like, was like, no, uh, there's no promotions going on right now. We don't need to do this. And it's just like truly wild. And I think another thing that upsets me is that he is far from the only person doing this on TikTok. Like he's doing it well and it's very popular, but tons of people are like guessing the colors, showing it. It's a soothing thing to watch. It's really fun. And so it's just like to be fired for doing something that like everyone's doing is weird. It's so weird. And the uh, silver lining here, or potential silver lining, depending on how you, the listener, decide to deal with this, is that he is trying to launch his own paint brand in the basement of his home, or a friend's home, someone's home. It's a basement. He's trying to raise money right now on GoFundMe because he wants to launch a paint brand. And know what? Go for it. Because you, sir, have more social media presence than Sherwood-Williams, which is maybe the most iconic paint brand. So, bravo. Do you know what one of my favorite parts of this is? Because I love pettiness is the fact that he like was on tiktok and he was like i'm getting my paint from lowe's now <laughs> it was just like <laughs> i'm like yeah don't uh, he's probably never gonna buy their paint again and to continue our threat of real allyship like our, <laughs> our friend mrs gay up top of the show lowe's loves the lgbtq mm-hmm, community mm-hmm, unlike mm-hmm. The other store that I won't say in case they've ever been an advertiser. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But there's another store out there that's just as famous that does not like us as much as Lowe's does. So good job. That is very true. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we're talking about Charlie D'Amelio hitting 100 million subscribers. The BuzzFeed's Ben Henry. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over, the new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today. At our award-winning and fully accredited treatment centers on the Eastern Shore and in Southern Maryland, you will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. You will also benefit from specialized programs, 24-hour medical care, and the comfort of our outstanding facilities. Let us help you. We will answer your call 24-7 and can get you into treatment as soon as today. If outpatient care is right for you, you can receive a same-day assessment and attend therapy in person or virtually. And because we accept most private insurance plans, you get premium care without the premium price. Don't wait. Start your new year. Start your new life today. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Hello. I'm Minnie Driver, and on my podcast, Mini Questions, I put together a little experiment. I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers, like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry. I did have a revelation. It was at CBGB's, as a matter of fact. I was waiting for the audience to give it to me, give it me. Then I realized that I had to make them. I had to command them. Artist and creative juggernaut, Goldie. And I walk up to the mountain, I hike up. Just being in that environment and seeing life and death in front of you 
right in front of you. And I go up there and scream and cry and, and, and laugh, and I find that being the happiest. And many more. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Being a real estate agent isn't about listing houses. It's about connecting to people. I need to find new buyers every day. So I promote my listings using radio commercials from iHeartAdBuilder.com. Now every time I have an open house, it's a full house. A custom radio ad from iHeartAdBuilder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com.